Welcome to Fantasy Sports Daily with Kyle L. Frank and Ray Flowers, Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to use the promo code FSD20 for a 20% discount on the products over at FantasyGuru.com. Stardate. 77512.5. We welcome you to Fantasy Sports Daily, a day in which Ray Flowers immediately saw me on camera. And Ray, what did you think? I said, my gosh, the one and only Captain Kirk is joining us today. <laughs> which is spot on. <laughs> spot on. And, and then Ray wondered aloud if I'm a Trekkie. I am not. A hidden Trekkie that you hadn't told me about for 15 yeah. years? No. Yeah. I, I knew immediately what you were referencing, which is... Uh, you know, that's when you've made it in pop culture, where people who have no idea, you know, they've never watched anything, still understand the reference. So I got it immediately. And, and Ray, I guess I do have a bit of a Captain Kirk look. I, I, I will tell you this. I won't stand up, but I'm not wearing the spandex nor boots. <laughs> that, uh, William Shatner seemed to. Seemed Don't to ruin the illusion, there. Kyle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I got, I got a little Shatner hair. Totally. You know, I, I could pull this off. Um, maybe in 20 years, I'll be a lounge singer. Uh, you know, doing ads for travel advisor or something. Uh, we shall see. Sh Shatner's still alive, right? He is. I think he's like 96 years old or so. Yeah, he's still alive. Yeah. yeah. He outlasted Spock, I know. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Nimoy has moved on, but uh, William Shatner's still with us. Um, and, and you might think I was making up that star date. I was not. There, there is an actual trekguide.com which i assume ray is one of the largest rabbit holes in all of the internet <laughs> but you can actually calculate the star date no matter what the date you're looking for nor the time you can calculate so at this moment uh which ray informed me is four o'clock at greenwich mean time uh today's star date is 77512.5 so maybe we'll do that every day from now on that'll be our new shtick ray or not Star date. You have to say it like William Shatner, though. You have to get it. Star date. Seven seven five one two point five. I think I'm really just uh, doing Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's kind of what I'm doing there. Um, anyway, enough of Star Trek. Which God, what is that? Sixty years old now? Fifty five years old? Kind of amazing. Sixties, so yeah, yeah. Uh, we are here to talk fantasy sports. Wonder if William Shatner was ever in a fantasy league. Maybe you know he's kind of one of those lead fantasy guys. When you talk about the world that was, um, not a ton happening, but still a load to talk about. We've got football. We've got baseball, as always. Uh, we like to remind you from the top, the baseball guide is out. We are in week one of its release. And Ray Flowers, it must be nice to have your new baby out in the wild to showcase to everybody, right? It is. Yeah, well, there we go. There, I got the right slide up. Um, yeah, it's really nice. It's it's a lot of work. Jeff Mans was asking me about it yesterday on the, the SiriusXM show. Uh, which is uh, three to five Monday through Friday over there. Uh, I'm on Wednesdays. And he was asking me, is it like, how do you feel now that it's out? Do you feel relieved? Or do you feel like a, a breath of fresh air? And it's kind of like, well, now the challenges are different. Now I got to make sure, you know, links work and tweets go out and all that, you know, the, the, the things formatted properly. So it's a different set of kind of, I guess, daily directives. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really exciting to have it out. As you can see there on the screen, it's available right now. You can go to the website, join now tab, top right. You can also go to fantasyguru.com slash product slash MOB dash memberships. You can also find that in the links to the articles at the site and on YouTube and all that. Uh, and it's available for 50 bucks and it's all season long. Uh, 
you can use the promo code FSD20, get you a 20% discount on it, and that gets you access to everything. Uh, the rankings, all kinds of rankings, uh, rookie rankings, dynasty rankings, you know, uh, on-base rankings, 5 by 5 rankings, auction values, all that kind of stuff. You get access to the Discord 24 hours a day to ask your questions. Uh, you get access to all the articles. Uh, so it's all available over there, and it's through the end of the season. So hopefully people will take advantage of that and, and enjoy the product that we have to offer at FantasyGuru.com. And uh, you mentioned getting it out. The beauty for the consumer, but the agony for Ray Flowers, is that it's never really out of his hands. It's uh, constantly a work in progress. As news comes out, as signings occur, Ray is adjusting things. In fact, just yesterday, I bet Ray added a brand new name to his list of rankings, courtesy of the Toronto Blue Jays. So... Uh, we will get you some baseball today pretty well every day. We're going to do our best to uh, spotlight something uh, in the Rays draft guide. So I think today we're going to talk a little about last year's bums, uh, get some of Ray's thoughts on a few guys there. And of course, we've got a load of football. Um, apologies to all you Dallas and Philadelphia fans. Uh, you're stuck with your coach. I know everybody had the pitchforks ready. They sharpened them up. The torches were were lit. Got to put them back in the closet. Now, now maybe 11 months from now, you can pull them back out. But for now, your coaches are sticking around. So we'll talk about those situations. Sounds like the Ravens may be uh, loading up just a bit for the playoffs as they get things rolling on Saturday afternoon against Houston. We will continue our running back review of 2023. I will say this. Today, we're going to talk about free agents. You might be surprised how many good to very good running back free agents there are. The question is, does anybody care? Uh, that leads us to talking about NFL teams and how they are using running backs with another year of uh, stats, another year of results. We'll see if anything's changing in the backfield. So that is where we stand as always. Big thank you to those joining uh, via YouTube, via X, via Facebook, via the audio podcast. However you're with us today, great to have you on board. Ray and I get going each and every day at 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, star dates change every day. Every day. Yeah, there's probably a system in place where if it's 4 o'clock Greenwich Mean Time, whatever the date is, one of those star date numbers is, is the same. I don't know. Maybe we'll check it out tomorrow. Uh, so that is where we stand. Ray, let's get FSD daily. Uh, well, or FSD, I guess I should say. And we'll start with coaches. Um, no new hires. Still not a whole lot shaking there. It's kind of been slow with the hiring, which I, I, I wonder if everybody's waiting for the big chip or the big chick to fall to see if Bill Belichick's going to end up somewhere or Jim Harbaugh. So maybe that's kind of uh, the rock in place of everything happening, kind of like Otani with Major League Baseball free agency. But while we're not having new hires, Ray, I guess uh, we're in effect having, having rehires. It sounds like both Mike McCarthy and Nick Sirianni um, are going to be back with their respective teams. To me, and I'm not an Eagles guy, and, and Ray, I don't have the Philadelphia attitude, but to me it kind of seemed weird that everybody wanted to dump and, and fire Nick Sirianni. Like that one I thought was a little aggressive and a little reactive. I get the Mike McCarthy thing in Dallas because he was never somebody who had won over the fan base, and he was kind of seen as, you know, maybe a – maybe a little past his time in Green Bay. And then when he was hired in Dallas, no one was really excited. A move by Dallas would have made more sense, not so much with Philadelphia, but it turns out, Ray, neither teams, neither franchises are going to make a move. 
you know, it is sometimes it, it's a decision that has to be made. And I think a lot of the decision about what to do with the head coach goes beyond what we see, right? Because we see the results on the field and fans say, you go seven and 10, you're fired. You go 10 and seven, we keep you around, right? Like it, there's more to it than that. So you never quite know what an organization is going to do. Uh, you know, the expectations are super high for the Cowboys. You know that they're very good year after year, but they haven't gotten to the promised land. Uh, is that Mike McCarthy's fault or not? Yeah, I mean, Mike McCarthy's kind of got that tag that he's a really good coach who can't win the big game. You know, that's kind of what he's had. He had it before he came to the Cowboys, right? Um, I think that, you know, the stability there and you got a contract, you got the pieces in place, you know, let's maybe make a couple coaching staff changes, but leave the guy at the top in charge. We'll see what they do. I think that the um, situation with the Eagles is fascinating because the Eagles were 10 and one. A lot of people at the time said they were the best team in football. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, after the previous year, people were saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, the whole thing. And then they just went in the toilet and it was, it was with a whimper. Like sometimes you lose and you just lose and it's nothing you can do about it. They played bad football down the stretch. And, you know, Jeff Manns brought this up on the Elite Sports Show. How much of the success they had, especially on offense last year, was Shane Steichen? Because you look mm-hmm. at the Colts, and they had a backup quarterback with the Colts this year, and the Colts won. And Gardner Minshew was pretty solid, and the offense worked. And all, and he leaves, and what happens to the Eagles? They kind of toilet it up again. So there's a lot going on, teams making these decisions. I'm not surprised that the the Eagles and the Cowboys kept their head coach. I think it would have been more surprising if they were both let go. But McCarthy, you know, Kyle, again, he dealt with this when he was with the Packers. Now, I'm a little surprised Jerry Jones didn't look at the available names. And, you know, because of who he is and how he runs things, Ray, I'm surprised that uh, the idea of getting Belichick or Vrabel – uh, you know, giving Pete Carroll a shot, Jim Harbaugh. Like, these are huge names that usually Dallas would back up the Brinks truck for. Um, and and knowing that Jerry Jones is now, what, three-plus decades without a title, you know, you just kind of – I kind of envisioned that that was going to happen with how things ended on Sunday. So I am a little bit surprised that McCarthy's still going to stick around. Uh, Philadelphia, again, I, I think he should be around. It sounds like certainly in the Philadelphia case – there's going to be some changings around Nick Sirianni, you know, whether it's the QB coach, running back coach, uh, offensive coordinator, uh, those sorts of things. So we will see. You know, it's it's so tough in the NFL to uh, ever really blow things up because you're talking about 53 men um, on a roster. You got your practice squad. Beyond that, you've drafted guys to fit into a coach's system. And, you know, 12 months ago, nobody in Philadelphia – is questioning anything Nick Sirianni's doing <laughs> at all. And whatever he wanted, whoever he wanted, they signed off on it because he had the track record. They believed in him. So now they've built this team in his image to his preferences. So it's kind of tough to just move on from all these well, guys. Isn't that a big problem in all sports, but especially the NFL? Because like you're saying, a lot, so much of a team's success is having a coach with a vision and getting a group of players in that can execute that vision, if you give the guy two or three years, which is what basically happens, right? And then you remove the coach and you bring in a completely different style. Yeah, You, you, you have to start over again. And it's this almost never-ending cycle unless you hit like a big free agent signing or you hit a huge guy in the draft. Like it's just you keep going and winning seven to nine games every year. Isn't, it, isn't that part of the problem these NFL teams are dealing with? Well, and, and let's understand, let's give him credit too for the past, right? I, I think Jalen Hurts has like, to me, maybe other people had better expectations. I didn't, but Ray Jalen Hurts has surpassed what I thought he could be as an NFL quarterback. And I think a lot of that goes to Sariani 
and the offensive coaches. Now, the problem this year was probably more defense. I know at the end, the offense couldn't score, and hell, you get, what, nine points against Tampa? That's pretty embarrassing. Uh, the Giants were beating you late, but the, the the major gulf here, like from coaching staff to what are we doing on the field, was probably on the defensive side, um, and maybe that's a bit easier to change. Like defensive systems, Ray, a little easier, even though he's going out and drafting guys on the D-line. You know, they invested a lot with their D-line. They've had some free agency signings. It's It's a lot easier to change on the run a defensive system than it is an offensive system. So you're going to have Hurts back. You're going to have Brown back. You're going to have Smith back. We'll talk about it later. I don't know if you're going to have Swift back. You know, that's kind of an issue for this team. What are they going to do in the backfield? Because they could be starting anew there. And, and that question for Philadelphia, you know, do you want to bring in a running back who can handle the football 230 times, take a little bit off the plate of Jalen Hurts? That's a big one. Uh, for Philadelphia, but there will be changes made and, and we will see what the teams do. There's obviously contracts to get rid of. Everybody does that, but uh, Dallas and Philadelphia said to be sticking with their guys. Cleveland, of course, is sticking with their guys, but Ray, we should note uh, they let go of their offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt yesterday. I think they've also uh, moved on from their running backs coach, their tight ends coach. Uh, maybe that is a realization that they got to get something fresh and new for Deshaun Watson to work in this offense. Yeah, again, I I will admit to the listeners, I did not dive into this story when it came out yesterday. Um, so I don't know all the particulars, but it on the surface seems strange to me. And I, I gave them credit, I, and I think deservedly so, for really changing up. I mean, you remember, they lost all their offensive line. They lost mm -hmm. the best running back in football. They lost their quarterback. They lost their backup quarterback. They lost their third quarterback. And they were still winning football games with Joe Flacco. Like, I'm surprised at the level of change now. The Flacco's not the answer. He struggled with turnovers even during the success. It continued into the playoffs, all that kind of stuff. But they need to – I think this comes down to what you said, Cal. They've got to figure it out with Deshaun Watson. And yeah. clearly what the pieces they had in place, they didn't feel comfortable that that was going to happen. They've got all this money invested in Deshaun Watson. They can't get away from him. They can't sign another quarterback. They can't trade him. They can't release him. He's their guy. So they got to find a way to get him back to being the guy that they signed. Uh, maybe that is at the heart of the decisions they made here. And and Ray, that's your whole interview, isn't it, with the offensive coordinator? <laughs> because that's the whole kit and caboodle here is, what's your plan for mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson? And and so I would suspect, you know, Kevin Stefanski, obviously ownership, they're going to sit there. But that's the whole interview. That's what you need to come up with, answers. You know, how are you going to do this? How are you going to go about this? So we shall see with Deshaun Watson. But that is where we stand on coaching news. And again, uh, all the other spots still open. I did see Ron Rivera still wants to coach somewhere. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Uh, so, so good luck to him. Uh, leads us to the playoff weekend. Again, Saturday, we get rolling with Houston at Baltimore. Uh, Saturday night, Green Bay's at San Francisco. Sunday will give us uh, Tampa visiting Detroit. And of course, Kansas City is on the road at Buffalo. Uh, the Ravens, Ray, got some good news yesterday. Mark Andrews, a full practice. Guess he's going to be playing Sunday. Is that what we're looking at? And for anybody in a one-and-done setup, you just got an extra tight end that's available. You did. Uh, it seems like he's going to be active. It doesn't have to be active. The window's open, but they could wait, you know, and all of that. It does seem like clearly he is trending toward playing. I think the, the question is, in the fantasy space, if he's active, do you play him? And you know how this goes, Kyle. Significant injury, missing all this time, coming back. Does he play 40% of the snaps and they use him in passing downs? Is he out there 80% of the time? You know, do they use him kind of as a decoy and it's still Isaiah Likely and Flowers is going to play through his injury? I don't know. I mean, they they released 
Melvin Gordon. They put on the active roster, Dalvin Cook. So Dalvin Cook apparently is not going to get 10 touches out of the backfield for this team. That's so, another name on your one and done list now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, I would not be playing Mark Andrews this week. If you're in the one and done, you we expect the Ravens to win, right? There are other options you can utilize this week. I wouldn't be going in that direction. And in DFS, you got to play the ownership game. You think people are going to play him or not? Because to me, there's a lot of risk in, in, in using him this week if indeed he is active. Well, you bring up a good point, and I, I should have looked at this, Ray. I, you know, DraftKings puts out their prices on like Monday. Right. I, I don't know if uh, somebody like Andrews was really included. You know, I, I know he was included, but was he priced up the way he would normally be? Um, let me pull this up uh, at the tight end. Yeah, position. while you pull that up, I'm trying to pull it up too. You yeah, got, it? got it here. Okay, he was priced up like he's Mark Andrews. I mean, Kelsey is 6K this week, Laporta 59, Kittle 52, and then Andrews is five. So they, they treated him like, you know, because honestly, Ray, I don't know if the price is much different, even if he comes in healthy. Maybe it's 55 instead of five, you know, for, for a guy like Andrews in DFS. Yeah, that's tough because. I mean, you hear that and it's like, are you going to, are you, do you feel comfortable versus Kelsey? Maybe because that's a significant price difference, thousand bucks, 200 bucks to Kittle. Like, you know, I, so again, that's why without knowing that's what I, what I hinted at it. I think it's really the ownership. It's your projection of how that's going to be handled. Cause you know, can you differentiate yourself using Andrews? Cause no one else will. Um, To me, I mean, Go with Dalton Kincaid. I mean, save a little bit of cash. I don't know. I I would be very reluctant to go. Well, we, we kind of had a, a slightly similar situation last week with Laporta. And mm-hmm. and Ray, um, I didn't think he'd play all week. And then yeah. we got to, to Sunday. And obviously, it was too late for a lot of people with one and done. But for DFS, you could have played Laporta. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have made that move. And, and granted, he got a touchdown. But he only had three catches. He was very limited. He wasn't 100%. So even though he got the touchdown, I, I didn't regret, you know, kind of passing on Laporta. It'd be the same thing with Andrews. I think you're totally right. You know, it's kind of a week to, to sit back and look at these other options. There are good options here. I mean, I keep pointing out Kate Otten had eight catches last week and the guy's 3,500. Now, if you followed Kate Otten at all with Tampa this year, you know that he's probably due two touches this week. You know, he's all over the place. But the fact remains, there are other options out here. There are actually guys who can score touchdowns. I mean, Dawson Knox is 3K. Uh, Dalton Schultz is 4,400. So there's a lot of guys actually at the tight end position that you can look at this week. And Ray mentions Dalvin Cook um, onto the active roster. Also, Zay Flowers. Got in a full practice. He's been dealing with a calf injury, but he says he's ready to go, uh, ready to get things rolling. Uh, with Detroit, Khalif Raymond. And again, they don't play till Sunday, but uh, Raymond, who did not play against the Rams, uh, had a DMP on Wednesday. So he's dealing with a knee injury. Kind of makes him iffy moving forward. Speaking of the Lions, they obviously got by the Rams on Sunday night. Uh, got some further news on the Rams. Tyler Higby, unfortunately, both an ACL and MCL injury. Uh, so he's probably undraftable going into next season. And then Kyron Williams, right, it turns out, broke his hand. So I, I maybe he would have played this week if the Rams had survived. But that injury shouldn't be anything that bothers him for next season. And that is a guy uh, probably next season going into draft straight. Kyron Williams is going to be an RB1 off the board, I bet. Yeah, I mean, it all depends what the Rams do the offseason. And, you know, it's also – Jeff mentioned this on the show the other day too. It's really interesting because – we at FantasyGuru.com, I'm going to say this without knowing for certain, but feeling pretty confident. We're higher on Kyron Williams than anyone in the fantasy space. And we've talked about, I drafted Kyron Williams in the, the league of list, the listener league in the 12th round. Okay. So we were in on Kyron Williams, but now you have to, you fight that pullback scenario. Where it's like, yeah, we really like this guy, 
but now, you know, and at the but now piece is can he, Kyron Williams, handle playing 85% of the snaps and 20 touches a week? Can he handle that long term? Is he built for that? And he, eh, you know, and so it's one of those things that the Rams will likely bring someone in. Now, who do they bring in? Do they bring in, you know, do they bring in Austin Eckler? I, mean, I don't know. It's right down the street. Do they bring in a guy to, to work third downs? Do they, you know, do they bring in a, an early down guy to maybe share some of the workload early? So we shall see. But if we go into next season with Williams being the clear cut number one in the offense with McVay back, as we've talked about for years now, you want the starting running back of the Rams in that system. I was just looking at. 260 touches. Um, he came out of college early, went to Notre Dame in his sophomore and junior years. Uh, let's see, touches. Well, they only have plays, it looks like here. But, I, I mean, Ray, 211 carries as a sophomore, 204 as a junior. He threw in, gosh, another 77 receptions over the two years. So, quick addition, you're looking at 415 I mean, you're looking at 500 touches in those two years. And I'm bringing up college because, you know, the, the tread idea, you know, was he was he ran into the ground in college? Not really. You know, two years of being the guy, uh, obviously, in his rookie year with the Rams, didn't touch the ball much at all. And then last this past year, he got, got back. So three of the last four years, he's been roughly 250 carries. That's not anything worrisome to me right now, Ray. It kind of proves that he can do 250. You know, maybe he could even push it to 300. It, it leads into us talking about running backs. You know, you mentioned what will the Rams do? As, as we recap the running back position yesterday, we talked about the guys who succeeded, guys like Kyron Williams, uh, the guys who failed, guys like Austin Eckler. Today, Ray, we talk about free agency, and we specifically talk about it because, Ray, th this position is loaded in terms of options. Um, now, we know how free agents have been treated. We know how running backs have been treated. Even good ones, Ray, struggle to get money. But just listen to this list of available free agents. Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift, Derrick Henry, Devin Singletary, Antonio Gibson, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins. Now, Dobbins, we got all sorts of injury news, but but Ray, that's at least nine running backs that, that are going to be worth something on the market. I don't know how much, but if you're looking to spread the wealth in your backfield, if you're looking for a very capable um, guy to, to get 180 carries, I mean, this free agent market is just loaded with guys you could take a look at. It is, and you know, this is... This position is something everyone talks about. You and I talked about it this week already, too, that it... It's tough because even the guys that are coming off a good season sometimes just don't generate the type of contracts they want. They just don't they don't get it. And teams look at the age and look at the usage patterns, all that kind of stuff. They look at the fact that, you know, we can piece together A, B and C and it doesn't cost us anything. We can draft the guy in the sixth round and throw him in there. It's tough. And it's it's a market where there are big names. But a lot of times, by the time a player becomes a big name at this position, the interest level starts to wane. It's a really, it's mm -hmm. a very interesting scenario of all positions in all sports. It's probably the one where the guys get screwed the most, right? Because you kind of got to do it to get there. And then once you get there, people said, well, you've done it so much and so well, now we're a little bit concerned. Well, and, and some of these guys, Ray, maybe they've been the guy in the last two or three years, but you wonder, will they be the guy where they end up? I, I do still look at Barkley, 
maybe Jacobs. I, I think Barkley's like the only surefire guy where you'd say he's going to end up somewhere, whether it's with the Giants or somewhere else. He's the only guy I look at here, Ray, and, and say that's the dude. Now, maybe I'm, you know, why would somebody add Derrick Henry unless they're going to make him the dude? Like, I don't think Derrick Henry's going somewhere for first and second down work and hoping for like 190 touches. That's not his MO. So maybe Henry on reputation lands in a spot where he can be the guy. I think Barkley's still there. Th these other guys, right, probably are landing in spots where they're not the guy. Um, Devin Singletary, even with the success he had this year, unless he ends up back with Houston, which might work, maybe he ends up and says, wow, I, I found a home. But a lot of these guys, right, Pollard, Eckler, Swift, Moss, Gibson, uh, even Jacobs, I, I don't know if they land somewhere and they are brought in as a free agent to be the guy th th this upcoming season. Well, and what it, I mean, to broaden the question out, what is the guy, right? Like there's so many times now, like to me, and, and this leads into to like another part of what we're going to, um, nobody in football this year had more than 200 carries. Uh, last year we had four guys just to kind of give a quick comparison. But the other thing, Ray, is 12 running backs played all 17 games and had at least 200 touches. So I would say the guy now is like, it's got to be 200 carries, I should say, not touches, carries. Okay. Got to be 200 carries for us to even call. And I know that definition of, you know, the guy years ago was 300 carries so, or at least 250. But now, Ray, I'm kind of lowering it and saying to be the guy, I'll go with like 200 carries would be my rough approximation. Well, and I think that's fair based upon the overall number of guys. But then, you know, you look at this and it's like, you know, Devin Singletary was 216. Was he really the guy? Bijan Robinson was 214. We know he wasn't the guy. Jerome Ford was 204. Was he the guy? So, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. Because, again, we're talking less than 25 guys that did it. So mm -hmm. that makes sense. But my point was that without, you know, there's a huge difference between 200 carries and 260 carries. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a big difference. And it's usually a difference of how the, the team utilizes the player. And, and I think even a lot of these players, they're – you know, they're utilized between the 20s and then someone else is utilized at the goal line or they're utilized at the goal line and someone else is in between the 20s. So it's one of those scenarios like Derrick Henry was the guy with the Titans, right? He was the guy. But Tajay Spears in the second half of the season was on the field as much as he was. Mm -hmm. He was the guy utilized in passing downs. Oftentimes he played more snaps than Derrick Henry. So it's like, eh. so it's even the question of how teams use their backfield is one that's kind of so much up in the air anymore that, you know, that's another issue with these guys getting paid. It's like, we want to bring you in and have you involved. We want to give you 220 touches. We're going to give this other guy 178 touches. So you're you're the guy, but there's someone else that's so heavily involved. We're not going to pay you as if you're getting 400 touches because that's just not our plan. And I'm kind of looking at the 32 NFL teams and, and playing this game of, okay, who would actually be in the market for a guy? Who's actually interested in somebody like Saquon Barkley? Who would be interested in Derrick Henry? And, you know, kind of quickly going over this list and considering contracts and where teams are and maybe their MO of how they've handled guys in the past. It's it's a handful of teams, Ray, as I see it. I mean, maybe six or seven. I would throw, you know, Houston, I think, would, would want a guy. The Giants, with the way they're built, would want a guy. Minnesota, I think, would want a guy. New England, 
the Chargers, who are probably moving on from Austin Eckler, but I don't know if they're embracing guys like Spiller or Joshua Kelly. I mean, they're probably looking for a guy. Chicago. But the problem with Chicago is anybody they bring in, you're still going to have, you know, probably Foreman or Rashawn Johnson hanging around. So I, I, I look at it, it's like, okay, these guys could still be the guy, but it takes two to tango. Like you, you say, Quan Barkley, it makes sense with the Giants. But if the Giants say, you know what, we're, we're fine with letting you walk, uh, we'll bring in Devin Singletary, uh, we'll bring in Zach Moss. You know, we'll pay Devin Singletary and Zach Moss half of what we'd have to pay Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. And we'll only commit to him for a couple of years versus committing to five years of Saquon Barkley. There's a lot of teams that may say, I'll go the Moss Singletary route instead of the Saquon Barkley route there. Absolutely. And, you know, you get redundancy, you get built-in support, you get different kinds of skills to fill all the downs. Uh, you don't have to invest as heavily in one. So if you lose a piece, you still, you know, you can find somewhere. Yes. And, and that's, and that again is the problem with the running back position. It's that is Barkley better than these other guys? Sure. But we don't necessarily have to have that guy to win. And mm-hmm. in fact, our football team might be better if we have the two guys. Because again, we can we can spell each other, either each of the guys, we can use them in different situations. We can put them on the field at the same time to confuse defenses with our system and our scheme. So it's the days of, you know, Walter Payton. The days of Earl Campbell, the days of these guys just getting the ball 25 times a week. Like Derrick Henry is one of the last few guys that really is that way. I know Christian McCaffrey touches it that much, but I'm talking about just running the football. Mm-hmm. The guys of those guys, you know, the days of those guys carrying the ball 20 plus times a week, they're just kind of they're they're gone. And even in the case of Derrick Henry, who led football again in, in touches this year on the ground, there were people this year that didn't want to play him sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there were weeks where he's running for 30 yards, 15 yards. Like, so it's even the workload doesn't guarantee success every single week. It does in the end, but it doesn't every single week. It, the one guy on this list, as we talk about running backs and, and this very deep free agent class, the one guy on this list that I probably am most um, following is DeAndre Swift. Because, Ray, it's, it's pretty wild. Like, he came out like a a ball on fire in the first four or five weeks. And then he could just kind of casually got to the end of the season. And now he's a free agent. He's only 25. And although he's had big games, Ray, and I don't think anybody doubts his talent. Like we can look at DeAndre Swift and we know what's there. You just kind of wonder what the heck is this guy? But I, I think with the right team in the right system, DeAndre Swift can be still be something really special. And by that, I mean like a top 10 RB in a PPR setup. I still think he can be that guy, but he's got to find the right home and a team that's really built to make use of DeAndre Swift. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, I think he's a, he's an interesting player because he is someone that has dealt with injury issues and finally seemed to get over that hump. But then he now had to deal with the quarterback stealing all the goal line work. So that there's that hump. I, I think that, I think the, he is a good NFL running back. He's got the ability to play three downs. Should he be playing three downs consistently? Okay. But he can catch the ball. You know, he can run the football. I think that he's a very effective football player. I think it makes all the sense in the world to have him be a 1A to someone's 1B, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with him, and we'll see what happens with the Eagles offense. We've talked about Jason Kelsey retiring and what that's going to mean for the offense. And there could be changes in Philadelphia. We've heard that, the coaching staff, all that kind of stuff. So, We'll see where it ends up, but you know, if, if DeAndre Swift was in my backfield and he was one of my top two guys, I don't think 
you should feel bad about that. I think that's a winning scenario. When we talk about this free agent market and kind of the uncertainty of how these guys are going to be treated, it leads us to looking at some stats now that the year is over. I mentioned the 280 carries. Nobody top 280 carries this year, uh, which was a little sad to see. Uh, we did have six running backs get to 300 touches. McCaffrey, White, Etienne, Mixon, Henry, and Pollard. So six of those guys. Brees Hall was one touch short of 300. Uh, we had eight guys last season. Now, Ray, if I said 300 touches, that makes you the guy. Are, are you okay with that? That leaves us with six dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the problem. I think the answer to that is yes. But then, what are we say, what are we saying here? I mean, there's only well, and, then, and then Ray, you have the question of okay, it's cool you did it in 2023. Who repeats? I I would suggest McCaffrey does with health. But White, Etienne, Mixon, Henry, and Pollard. I don't know. I mean, like I noted, Pollard and Henry are free agents. Mixon could get cut. He could be out. Etienne and White are still young, and maybe in their offenses, they, they but those guys, Ray, literally have to have at least 60 catches, I think, to like get to back to 300 next season. Brees Hall, I, I would feel pretty good about him getting to 300 next year. Yeah, I think I think that would be the plan. Now, we talked about this, too. I think it'll be distributed differently. If Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, it's not likely that Brees Hall is catching eight passes a week. Okay, That's not likely to be what happens. But there should be more lanes for Brees Hall to run. Um, you know, there should be more overall success for the offense. It should be able to sustain drives, actually be able to run the football and not be three and out all the time. So, yeah, I think that clearly we saw the talent emerge this year or reemerge after the, you know, after the injury. And I agree with you. I think that going into next season, remember too, there's also a difference with the coaching staff. This coaching staff wins next year. Or they're out. Mm -hmm. All those, they're all out. And if, if that's the case, and you're a little tired, Brees, and you're my best guy. I don't care. Here's another carry. I think that plays into it too, because these guys are playing, these guys are coaching for their jobs. Uh, 19 running backs appeared in all 17 games, had at least 100 carries. 12 running backs did 17 games and at least 200 carries. Um, if you're getting at least 100 carries, you're probably an RB3 at the very least, believe it or not. <laughs> so, you know, not to say all those guys who had 100 carries were uh, legitimate starters every week, but only 19 guys. One running back. Played in at least 15 games and averaged at least 70 yards rushing. One guy. It's McCaffrey. That 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 right there, Ray, is, is the most important number to me. One dude in the entire NFL, in effect, combined health and success. And I don't even know if 70 yards rushing is success. <laughs> I, I just know McCaffrey's the only, that was the level I set because everybody else, Ray, was under 70 yards rushing per game. There's nobody else. I mean, we, like I said, we had almost 20 guys play a full 17 games. There's another 15 dudes who played 15 or 16 games. Of those 40 running backs who played all those games, only one of them was 70 yards rushing or more. And that was the best guy in football. Everybody else was not really a running back, right? You had to get the receptions. You had to get the receiving yardage to really get the yards that you wanted from these guys. Yeah, in the old days where we played 16 games, that would have been 1,120 rushing yards. Eh, you know, it's good. But eh, you know, now it's 1,190 if you play all 17 games, 70 a week. 
Uh, it's not, and, and it, you know, you sounds like, oh, that's, you know, that's pretty good. Or, or you can say that's pretty bad. And I think that's the part it's like, well, that's good. But if the guy's rushing for 70 yards each week, to your point, and he's not catching four passes mm-hmm. or he's not getting the touchdown. Whoopie-doo, right? Then you got some scat back, you know, Antonio Gibson comes in there in a PPR setup, catches five passes for 41 yards, gives you more points. So I think that a bar of 70 seems really boring, but to your point, that's the, the gold standard, I guess. Right. I, I'm looking at the numbers here, and I, I just to bring this up, I know it's totally off, but Devon Achan averaged over 70 yards a game. He didn't play the, the amount of games 15, necessary. Yeah, for, didn't play the 15. Yeah, yeah. But and he had a game of 200, a game of 150, a game of 100 and 100. Okay. <laughs> then he had games of 1, 5, 9, 24. He had as many games under 25 rushing yards as he had over 100. So yeah. even though he got to 70, that shows the volatility that can occur even when you're getting to 70, it can still be all over the map. And and because of that <clears throat> lack of like proven guys to get you 70 yards rushing, the, the obvious answer to that, especially in PPR, Ray, is okay, get me the guys with the receptions. Mm-hmm. You know, to cover my Rashad White's a classic example here. Didn't do he didn't average 70 yards rushing a game, but he caught a lot of footballs. But but here's the thing that the the lead receiving running back, most catches this year. And the name will not surprise you, but when you consider that he was suspended for a month to start the year, Alvin Kamara, Ray, let let all running backs and receptions, 75 catches, which, again, speaks to his true talent. I mean, maybe we kind of forget. He's been pretty damn awesome, Ray, for his career. Mm -hmm. Like, to, to sustain at his size and the way he's used, he's been very, very good. He'll probably go down as a Saints Hall of Famer to be honest with you, but only three other running backs, Ray, even had 60 catches. And that was McCaffrey, Rashad White, and then Jalen Warren. So, you know, we don't have, I know you write the column every year, the myth of the PPR guy. You know, the guy that you want that's always a PPR weapon is somebody, you know, 50, 60 catches. But really, Ray, you can't say Kamara, McCaffrey, White, and Warren are those guys because they're also rushing weapons. It's not like they're exclusive to the PPR universe. Um, you're not sneaking by, you know, you're not sneaking worn by people when you make that call. There, there's not really that purely driven running back receiver. There wasn't this year, not even close to it, that guy who, who kind of stepped up because of the receptions. Yeah, speaking of the rushing yards, by the way, Alvin Kamara was 53 a game and Rashad White was 58. They didn't even get to 60 yards a game. Yeah. And I do write the running back PPR myth every year uh, for fantasyguru.com. And it's an extensive article looking at, you know, decade of, of information. And people argue every year with it. People disagree <laughs> with it every year with it. And every year, every year, every single year, it ends up being true. Well, the, the only name that really repeats Ray is Kamara, right? He's like the only name that consistently as a running back has been able to repeat. It, it seems like nobody repeats. Like, I wouldn't sit here right now and say, Rashad White and Jalen Warren are good bets to repeat 60 catches. I Just because of the history says no way for, for guys like that. Yeah. And again, remember this too. Kyle was mentioning 50 catches and how that's kind of a barometer. 50 catches is not even three a week. If your guy goes out and catches two passes this week for 19 yards, are you excited about that in a PPR setup? Not at all. If he goes out next week and catches three passes for 23 yards, are you excited about that? Not at all. If he goes out the next week and it's three catches for 29 yards, you excited about that? Not mm-hmm. at all. Guess what? He's on pace for 50 catches. Yeah. So, yeah, the they're, they're, 
you know, the time of like the Darren Sproles kind of guy, right? Where the guy's catching five passes every week and we know he's going to get four carries. Those kind of guys, they don't, they're not many of them anymore. Even like the Antonio Gibsons of the world that we think are going to be that kind of guy, some reason get phased out of the offense, right? So the, the, the PPR aspect is a huge benefit. Even if you're only catching 50 passes over the course of a season, that's a huge benefit to a running back versus the guy catching 12. It's just, we all know that, right? But really the consistency there, you know, you could throw Christian McCaffrey in there when he plays. Mm-hmm. But even this year, his, his catch total went down, you know, and if these other guys, they come and they go, Devon Achan here, then he disappears, and Jameer Gibbs here, and then it slows down. So, yeah, it's – and that Rashad White, perfect example, you know, here last game when he caught one pass for the first time this season. So it's it's a it's a game we all like to play, but there's needs to be a realization that, like you're saying, there's only a couple of guys that can you look at and legitimately say they can run the ball and catch the ball every season – and there's only a few guys that you can say even catch the ball every season. Yeah, and it's pretty wild to look at McCaffrey. Uh, and again, superstar. We, we were talking about him as the number one overall pick yesterday. But, Ray, coming into the year, if you said, yeah, Christian McCaffrey is going to be healthy, his quarterback's going to be healthy, the 49ers will be good. Like, if I gave you those three things, you would have said, man, McCaffrey's going to have 95, 100 catches. <laughs> you really would have. And it, it's not bad, but it is way off his usual total. Like the last time, you know, last year he was healthy, 85 catches. In 2019, he was healthy, 116 catches. 2018, he was healthy, 107 catches. And his rookie year, he was healthy, 80 catches. Like So, so he was way down the chart. And again, we're nitpicking, but it just kind of speaks to even a guy like McCaffrey a guy that you would bet on to get 90 catches. He was on the field. Things worked out in San Francisco. Didn't come close this year. So the position uh, is ever-evolving, not in a good way, (laughs) really, for fantasy players. Uh, But wanted to run you through a few numbers as we continue to talk about that position this week. More coming up on Running Backs tomorrow. More coming up on the uh, Fantasy Football Playoff Weekend. Uh, We'll do some DFS on tomorrow's program. Got a few minutes here, Ray, to uh, talk some baseball. Uh, We mentioned the draft guide earlier and how it is ever-evolving. Toronto has added a a pitcher named Yariel Rodriguez for four years, $32 million. So I'm sure you're, if you haven't already, you're going to be adding him to the ranking list. The problem, Ray, is a little difficult to add. Oh, he's been at. No, well, he's going to be added as soon as the show's over. But that's on the Um, list today. And, and here's the issue, Ray. Obviously, he's not of the major leagues, so there's that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the issue of, is he even a starter? We don't know if he's a starter or reliever. That's a question. Uh, his his stats are fine. You know, he's a Cuban guy, played in the Japanese league. But the problem, Ray, is he, did, he set out last year. He didn't even pitch last year. They had a contract dispute. So you start stacking these things up, Ray, and it's like, I don't even want to be involved with Yariel Rodriguez because I don't know his role. I don't know how he's going to come back after a year off. And I haven't even seen this guy in the major leagues. It's, it's tough for me to, to get fired up, if you will, for, for adding him on a fantasy roster. It is. And I, I saw the news come out yesterday and I didn't update the rank. because I was hoping we get some clarification as to role, right? Cause like you're saying, is it, you know, I guess a lot of this comes down really to Alec Manoa and where he's at and mm-hmm. if they make a move in free agency, cause there's still a ton of players available. I think the consensus at the moment is that, you know, Rodriguez will end up in the bullpen. Uh, and if you look at his steamer projections, which they updated yesterday, I mean, they've got him pegged at, you know, 59 games, 90 innings pitch, 92 strikeouts and a one, three whip, which is 
useful for the Blue Jays, but in the yeah. fantasy space, <laughs> doesn't do anything for us. So I think everyone's trying to guess a little bit. And again, this is one of those, I think, evolving scenarios. Like if he ends up as the fifth starter because they don't make a move or they have an injury, you know, he's not going to take over the ninth inning. Well, if there's an injury to Romano, maybe that change. I think his role is going to, you know, determine what his cost is. You can take him now, like you're doing a best ball draft or something, take him at your last pick and hope kind of thing. But if you're actually doing a draft for a seasonal setup this early, I don't know why you'd be taking him unless you're in an A only league. And and you mentioned uh, Rodriguez maybe added as insurance, considering what happens to Manoa. Uh, Ray Alex Manoa was one of the biggest bums of all time, honestly. I mean, really, when especially the last 10, 15 years of guys that were uh, drafted to maybe be, I would say, top 40 pitchers, and then they literally fell off the face of the earth. That was Manoa last year, certainly a bum of last year. We want to talk bums today, but not pitchers. Uh, we've got bum hitters spotlighting your article over at fantasyguru.com, part of the Fantasy Guru Baseball Draft Guide. It's available now. Use the promo code FSD20. Get you 20% off. Um, and Ray, I guess we talk about bums again. We're going to focus on hitters. We've got some names. You can see them on that list. First off, what makes a bum, Ray? What, yeah. what, you know, this is the definition. Yesterday we talked about sleepers. You, you hate the name. What about bums? Are you okay with that name? I, I love I love shiftless bums. They're my favorite people. <laughs> I'm one myself sometimes. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a, it's a, it is a great place to start. And, uh, you know, just so people know, we have a bums calling for pitchers too. There's one for each. Mm -hmm. Um, basically we have to decide what was the reason the player was a bum? You know, was it, was there an injury? And is that fair to call a guy a bum if he plays 18 games or, you know, throws 13 innings? Okay. You have to de determine, was it a playing time scenario? We expected the player to play every day. And for some reason they made a trade or they signed someone, and then the playing time disappears. So it was more of your expectations were off versus the player was really a bum. Then you have to start going into the real heart of it is, is this player in a position where his skills are starting to slip? Is his, his birth certificate catching up to him? You know, is there something significant going on that we can look at and say, well, yeah, all of a sudden his pull rate went down a ton. He, he wasn't able to, to turn on the baseball and he lost two miles an hour in exit velocity. And then we have to say, well, was there an injury? Well, no one's reporting an injury and he's 35 years old. And you look at a strikeout rate and it started to go up the last couple of years. He's having more issues making contact. So it's really determining what it is the reason for the bumness if that makes sense mm -hmm. was it because of explainable reasons was it completely out of nowhere sometimes guys just have these catastrophically bad seasons and the next year they're fine most of the time there's an explanation and that's what we're trying to dig into and the article um has close to 20 names we've got a few names we're going to talk about here i'll start with the big name on this list ray which is vlad guerrero jr and you talked about expectations you know, few guys over the last 10 years have had greater expectations placed on them than Vlad Guerrero Jr. And, you know, calling him a bum is patently unfair. You know, <laughs> he's not a bum. But compared, Ray, to what we thought he would be as a hitter, like he was going to hit. That was the one thing we knew. He has uh, fallen short of those expectations. In fact, Ray, he had the great year. Was that year three? I think was the great year. Spectacular. Yeah. Years one, two, four, and five. Average? I mean, really, like compared to baseball players, he's kind of just been an average. And I don't know, 800 OPS still plays. Okay. Don't get me wrong, but he was over a thousand 
in that superstar year, Ray, but he kind of is just seven nineties in those other four years, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, as I mentioned in the article, if we're going to be really basic about this, Christian Walker's the same guy. He's just, the numbers the last couple of years are the same. And if you want to get even more aggressive than that, Luke Rayleigh <laughs> beat Vlad Guerrero last year in OPS by 50 points. Yeah. But playing time. Oh yeah. Playing time. So is it fair to call him a bum? No. Cause he still hit 26 home runs with 94 RBIs, but yeah. In the context of expectations, you know, taking this guy in the second round of drafts, in the context of his all-world MVP season in 2021, dude's been a bum for the five years. And I am now four out of five for being correct on Vlad Guerrero. Like, we had, the, you and I had this discussion a long time about where he's at in the fantasy space. He's overdrafted in 2019, overdrafted in 2020, blew up in 2021, completely overdrafted in 2022. And then last year, he kind of just settled in again. So, he has settled into being Christian Walker, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong. I mean, if he was that guy for the rest of his career, he'd make a lot of money and have a lot of success. But given the expectations in the real world and given the expectations in the fantasy space, he is a complete bum if we're judging him based upon the expectation game. 33rd overall right now in ADP at the NFBC. And it, Ray, it's, it's proof positive. He, he's gotten a lot, a lot of passes from fantasy owners as he gets. Because his numbers probably say 50th? Well, 55? again, like Christian Walker's ADP is 88. Yeah. Christian Walker the last two years is the same guy. Now, you can talk about age and you can talk about expectations. And I don't, I'm not saying anyone should draft Christian Walker over Vlad Guerrero. I'm not saying that. But the point is you're paying a very high price for a commodity that does not appear likely to exceed the price you're paying and may not even live up to the price you're paying. That's a tough position to be in when you're talking about an early top five pick. Uh, you can see those other names uh, for those who are following along. Uh, and again, the list is like 20, Ray Spotlight, a few, Tim Anderson, Javi Baez, Jake McCarthy, Jeff McNeil. Th those three vets, right? Anderson... Baez and McNeil. Who do you feel best about? I don't know if any can have maybe McNeil can return to form because it really comes down to batting average for Jeff McNeil, which he's shown that skill. To me, Ray, Anderson's gotten old really quick. And Baez, no one should be surprised at what he has become. Because when he was young, he was this, he was just at his athletic peak. And he could kind of just out talent the swing and miss. Right. Now, as he gets older and things start to change and ballparks change and, you know, money kits coming, I just feel like Baez, it's over. Anderson, I kind of feel it's over. McNeil, it's still a batting average play, but mm -hmm. I don't know if we can get back to like 320 with Jeff McNeil anymore. I think Jeff McNeil's got a really good chance to rebound, but he is the least sexy of the three guys. And, you know, even if it's hitting 295 this year, with his lack of other numbers, like if you're in a 15 team mix league, okay. If you're in a 10 or 12 team league, he's a bench guy, if that, right? So his value in the fantasy space, I think, is dependent upon your setup. The other two guys are interesting, Baez and, and Anderson. You can create a scenario where both guys rebound. You can really create that, but you can also create, I think, a greater certitude in saying they're not going to rebound. And it's interesting because both guys do have a similarity, and you mentioned it swing and miss. It, and it's not in the case of Anderson missing, but it's the swinging. Mm -hmm. These guys, and something you and I have talked about for years, one of the hallmarks for me of a player consistently producing is the ability to control the strike zone, right? 
Tim Anderson makes great contact, but never walks, and he expands the strike zone. So he's constantly putting balls in play, but what is he doing with these? He's rolling over. He's hitting ground balls to second base, third base. He's not doing it. He's not driving the baseball. And he has basically lived off an insane batting average of balls in play. I mean, it's I'm looking at it right now. 399, 383, 372, 375. You can't do that. Like that's there's been two guys in baseball history. You can't do that. And last year the number fell to 323, which is about 25 points above the league average, still a really good mark. But what happened? Because he doesn't walk, because he doesn't drive the baseball, the loss of the 40 points in batting average balls in play tanked his batting average. Mm-hmm. So I think that he's at a point in his career where it's it's unlikely to rebound in a significant way. I think a best case scenario for Tim Anderson, he could hit 275, right? Which is usable. He could steal 15 to 20 bases, which is usable. But the days of him hitting, you know, 320, he was what second in baseball and batting average the last four years heading into last season. The days of him hitting 300 consistently, those days are gone. Yeah, I can I can assure you the White Sox are really hoping he comes to life at the start of the season. He's absolutely going to be traded if he shows any spunk at the plate. Um, they they were thinking of trading him this offseason, but his value was just in the ditch. So they they kind of want to get him a little bit back to form so that they can make uh, good and, and maybe get something back as they do that rebuild on the south side. Anyway, articles up, baseball product live. Um, check it out. The bums on the hitting side, other articles with rankings. It's all available. Uh, just head over to fantasyguru.com. Cannot miss it. A couple of baseball questions uh, in the chat room, Ray, uh, okay. that we can get to before we get out of here. Much earlier in the hour, Jason, uh, sorry we couldn't get to, we were talking football, but way back at the beginning of the hour, he was asking about best ball uh, for fantasy baseball and taking a pitcher early. Um, he mentions he's getting Garrett Cole a lot in the second round. I, I will say, Ray, for best ball, um, I've got no real issue kind of going with Cole in the second round. It, it isn't my favorite call, but he is one of those guys that you just feel good about, you know, getting innings. The guy's a horse, and someday it will end. But at this juncture, Ray, I think you just roll it with Garrett Cole. If last year he was a back-end first-rounder, I got no issue with taking him in the second round, whether it's redraft or best ball this year. Yeah, I would, I'll say this off the top. I am not Mr. Best Ball. I've done them on occasion, but I'm not an expert in this area. We do have a, we had last year, uh, MLB model, um, Rob put together a huge best ball draft guide. I think he and Scott Bond are going to work on that together again this year. So we're going to have a whole section at fantasyguru.com talking about players, talking about strategies, all of that. I think that early on, most people from my experience, and again, I'm not the expert, most people say that, you know, taking a pitcher, maybe two pitchers in your first 10 rounds is fine, right? But most, I think, lean toward the offensive side of things. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say taking Garrett Cole's wrong. No, it's not totally fine. He's one of the most stable. He's probably the most stable upper-end pitcher in baseball. But generally speaking, I think people tend to, to favor the hitting approach early. Though, again, it all comes down to how you put your team together. I, I think the danger in best ball, Ray, would be investing in like two good pitchers early. I think that's a that's a real stretch uh, for best ball setups. And I don't even like it for season long. But, uh, hey, if you hit it, it's kind of like the running backs. If it works, it really works. But 80% of us, it's not going to work who <laughs> we draft. So if you think you can be consistently in that 20% pool, the person who drafts the right early pitcher, uh, that can make a huge, huge difference. Because every year, there are pitchers drafted early, guys you feel good about. And uh, again, 75, 80% of them don't live up to expectations. And they get hurt. 
And in best ball, you can't replace the guys that get hurt. In a seasonal aspect, every week we can run to the waiver wire. That's another big piece to consider. Well, and, and with the best ball, it's it's a lot more pitching late. You know, kind of what Ray was talking about. You just load up on arms late. Uh, not the worst thing to go early, but uh, don't make it two. One, one is uh, maybe the best I'd, best I'd go. Um, Ivan, uh, wondering about MLB DFS, Ray. This is probably more of a, a housekeeping thing at Fantasy Guru, but uh, for those who are maybe just showing up or have never played, baseball DFS. It's it's very similar, I would say, Ray, uh, to kind of what you see now with basketball and hockey. Although with baseball, Ray, the plan is still like kind of a, a, a cash focused article, kind of alongside a tournament focused article, right? Right. Yeah. Most days we will have both articles, one like Kyle said for GPP and then one for the cash game. Monday through Friday, I did it last year and I'm anticipating to do it this year. Monday through Friday, all season long, I do the cash game breakdown. So uh, I'm, I'm your guy there uh, for that. And to answer Ivan, your question directly, yeah, we do do a core four. Uh, and in fact, in the cash game breakdown, because again, I do it, there's a core four for DraftKings, there's a core four for FanDuel. So no matter which one you're playing, you've got that. I'm almost positive that every time there's a GPP article, it's the same thing. So we really try uh, to focus on helping people out in a similar fashion to football. There's obviously a more volume because we're, we're doing it every day. Uh, there are sometimes, I think, like for me personally with the cash game, you know, on days if there's less than five games, there'll be no cash game breakdown because if it's only four four games playing, there's not enough of a player pool. So there will be a couple of days where, you know, not necessarily going to have that. But I'd say 98% of the time, you're going to have those articles over at fantasyguru.com and they will include core force. And uh, to clarify, because I realize it can be confusing sometimes. We've been talking a lot about the draft guide, a lot about the access, the season long coverage. Um, Ray, again, $50 or $40 if you do the FSD 20. That gets you the season-long kind of coverage, but that is separate from DFS coverage. That is a different... Now, you can still use the FSD 20. You pile all this together and you get 20% off the top, but just so people know, that is a little bit of a separate subscription. Yeah, right. Season-long versus the DFS all season. Right. You can use FSD 20 to sign up for any of our products. So that gets you the discount. Again, that's like football, baseball, hockey, basketball, all the all the products. So you can try that with the DFS product. But the DFS product is separate from the seasonal product. Kyle's correct there. Now, you still use the same promo code for the seasonal mm-hmm. product, FSD20. And that gets you the drop down to $40 there. But there are two separate things. So you will need two subscriptions if you want to have seasonal and DFS for baseball, or hell, you can just become an all-in VIP and get everything we offer for every sport. That's an option too, if you want to go balls to the wall. But yeah, DFS and seasonal, two separate subscriptions. And if you find yourself as a DFS uh, baseball, you know, we're talking to the hardcore fantasy players, which, hey, if you're you're listening to Ray and I in the middle of January, you're probably pretty hardcore about this. Uh, But that all-in package is probably the best route for so many to go. Um, Okay, that takes us to the conclusion. Of today's, uh, I have for what was 77521.5 star date, I think it was, nice. uh, which has probably changed. I don't know how they figure star dates, but I'm assuming the date has changed. Um, anyway, Ray, we will be back for another star date tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern. A uh, lot more coming your way on fantasy football for the weekend. Two games on Saturday, two on Sunday. More on baseball, more discussion about Ray's draft guide. We got more on running backs. A lot of things to get to on Friday, but that will do it for today. Ray, a pleasure as always. Big thanks to everybody in the chat room, and we'll do it again tomorrow for another hour. Looking forward to it, Kyle. Okay, that will do it for us. Captain Kirk signing off here. Ray Flowers signing off there. We'll catch you on Friday. Fantasy Sports Daily, powered by FantasyGuru.com.